for those. We've got some that are out of town traveling today, and uh, so keep them in your prayers and ask the Lord bring them back safe. And um, remember to turn your uh, prayer request uh, emails in. Uh, please uh, get those to us by Wednesday afternoon, and um, so that. Uh, we can get that list uh, made up and printed before uh, our midweek service. And uh, thank you for your support of Hannah uh, last week. Continue to pray for her. And if you didn't get one of her prayer cards, there's some out in the foyer. Uh, be sure to pick one up. And uh, thank you for those that uh, uh, pledged to support her on a, on a monthly basis and those that gave to our special offering. Um, and remember, camp forms are due. So if you brought yours today, that'd be super duper. Uh, if you didn't, if you uh, and have kids going, let me know this afternoon uh, so that we can get them registered. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel, or the Gospel, the book of Revelation. And we're going to be looking at chapters 12 and 13 uh, this morning. And uh, you think about dragons, some of you probably think about uh, Pete's dragon, that old classic uh, Disney movie dragon. Uh, uh, some of you may think about the, the dragons in How to Train a Dragon. Uh, and, uh, but today we're going to look at a dragon that is much more uh, sinister. And uh, so we get into this, this is really a, a kind of a parenthesis in Revelation, these next three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. Uh, as John has this vision, uh, remember, and it's the end times, and God is showing him what's going to happen. And the reason is, is because John has uh, been exiled to the island of Patmos. The Christian church is uh, enduring great persecution under the Roman emperor. And uh, God wants to assure his people that he has got it under control. And so in these uh, three chapters that we're going to look at uh, this week and next week are a little bit of a, a break, and it kind of upsets our minds sometimes because it, the book of Revelation and much of the, the New Testament, much of the Old Testament, doesn't read in a continuous story. Uh, sometimes it goes back and forth and it skips things and goes, you know, back. And uh, we're going to see John doing that a great deal uh, here in uh, these couple chapters that we're going to look at uh, today. But it, it really, as we, as the Christians in the first century were enduring great persecution, and even as we are, you know, experiencing uh, difficulties in our world today, and we see so much chaos and so much craziness going on in the world, it causes us sometimes to ask the question, who's in charge here? And uh, today we're going to try to, to answer uh, that question. And so in these three, chapter, or three chapters, we're going to see, as the first two that we look at today, uh, that Though sometimes it seems like uh, the devil's winning, sometimes it seems like uh, God has forgotten about uh, this world, uh, the reality is he is still here, he's still alive, and pray, praise God, he's still 
on the throne. And nothing and no one is going to ever knock him off of that throne. And uh, we see, and that's the message of the book of Revelation as a whole, and especially this little intermission, uh, if you will, that John puts here in chapters 12 through 14. And so the first thing I want us to see this morning and be reminded of, and that John wanted to remind the people uh, in the first century of, is that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Look with me uh, at verses 1 through 6. It says, Now a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads with ten horns and seven diadems or crowns on his heads. And his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And a dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And so we are see John give us this very strange uh, vision. And I want to suggest to us, again, like so much of the book of Revelation uh, is tied to a good bit of the Old Testament, and uh, in this chapter especially, uh, some of the royal psalms, um, which is kind of interesting that those would make an appearance here in uh, Revelation. So most uh, Bible commentators think, you know, how, who, who, who's the characters here? What's, what's in play? Well, the woman that's uh, giving birth uh, is con- by most considered to be Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel that God uh, chose and uh, separated out to be a light to the rest of the world, Uh, a a nation from which the Redeemer of the world would come. And so this woman is going through great uh, pain. She is uh, clothed with the sun, and the moon is under her feet, um, and her head has the garland of 12 stars. Uh, So she... It goes into labor, uh, and then as she goes into labor, we comes on the scene a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. And so this is Satan coming on uh, the scene again and reminding us that, you know, it's, it was Satan's desire and Satan's plan that as the Redeemer of the world would come, that he would destroy it. That he would destroy this son that, that he knew because Satan knew who Jesus was. He knew that he was fully God and also fully man and why he had come. And so he, he sought to devour this child, the Messiah. Didn't work. Uh, remember that Matthew tells us that, that it, in that day there was this decree that went out uh, by Herod that all the male children 
under the age of two should be killed trying to undo um, the, the Savior and make sure that uh, this newborn king didn't succeed in, in rising to the throne. And yet we know that didn't take place, that God protected Jesus and sent uh, him and his parents, uh, Mary and Joseph, down to Egypt uh, to where they would be safe. And then after Herod died, uh, God told them that it was safe for them to return. And so we see throughout, and John is wanting to remind us that God has a plan. And we see God's work from Genesis all the way through Revelation is God's unfolding plan of redeeming mankind and bringing us back into a relationship with him to have perfect fellowship uh, it originally was uh, in the beginning and that sin marred and broke that fellowship. And so this child was born, he, he was to rule all nations uh, and uh, a rod of iron and and so we certainly have images here of um, God's promise to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. We have uh, glimpses of the Davidic covenant where David was promised uh, that God would establish his kingdom and that there would not be an end to that kingdom, uh, that there would be a, a descendant of David always sitting on that throne and uh, ultimately, that person was fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so it's, you know, Satan is at work, and he has been from the beginning, which he goes on to tell us because he gives us these first six verses, but then in the next ones, he reminds us that, yes, God has a plan, but John also wants us to be aware and realize that Satan is working to destroy that plan. Verse 7 goes on and says, A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and have strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And then look with me in Revelation 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, And then I stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on its horns ten crowns, and on its head a blasphemous name. And now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all of the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like this beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he is, 
was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And when he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given uh, him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And so John is using some pictures of, uh, from history that his audience uh, certainly would have been aware of. Uh, and you know, takes us back even further and reminds us that you know, there was this, this mighty war uh, between Satan and Michael the archangel and that you know, God ultimately dispelled uh, Satan from heaven and you know, several angels with him, uh, and they were cast down uh, to the earth. So they were removed from God's glory. And yet they maintained much of their power. And so Satan has, from the very beginning, been working against the plan and the work of God. And then John gives us the imagery of these two beasts coming out of the sea. We read about the first one. Uh, the second one is uh, similar to this first one. They both received their power from the, from the dragon, from Satan. And they do a lot of harm. And a lot of people on earth followed them. They said, my goodness, look at this. This beast has this wound to his head. But it looks like it's been healed. And so they actually ended up worshiping Satan because Satan was the one who these beasts had their authority from. And we need to understand something here about the Bible and uh, the imagery that John is using. Uh, I don't think we're meant to take these beasts and dragons literally, that these will actually be the, the characters that we see revealed to us in those last days. Uh, but rather they're representative of, of characters and actors on the world scene. And boy, throughout human history, especially, you know, uh, during the 20th century, there were lots of political figures uh, that people suspected maybe were these beasts. Um, I, I'm not going to try to make that uh, case. Uh, I've even heard people make the case that uh, the, the, these beasts are the Roman Catholic Church uh, and lots of other crazy uh, stuff that you know, people can come up with and you can take numbers and you know, scripture and you can twist it way out of uh, context and so it, means, it comes to mean something that God didn't really intend uh, for us to get out of uh, that, that message. Uh, and so we have to be very careful when we study God's word to make sure that we allow the context of what's going on and what's being written and the context of what's already taking place in the Bible because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. 
It's, it, it's not wrong. It doesn't say one thing in one place and another thing um, in another place. Uh, and so what we have to come to understand is that God has this plan. And Satan is doing all that he can to thwart that plan, though he knows he's not going to succeed. He's already a defeated enemy. He was defeated from the very beginning. And yet, he still has fangs and still barks loud and still scary and still has some elements of authority and influence in this world uh, because of the pervasiveness of sin. And so he begins and he he impacts not just one little people group, but he impacts all the people of all the earth. Continue with it, looking at down in Revelation 13, beginning in verse 16. Talking now about this second beast, that, and both of these are you know, blasphemous and uh, preaching against uh, God, but they're, they're coming claiming to be God. And so verse 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six. There's been a lot of uh, speculation and a lot of sermons preached about uh, these verses and how various uh, advances in technology are fulfilling these uh, prophecies from the book of Revelation. And I do think that we are seeing the stage set for the end days, and I know that we've been saying that for 2,000 years. But one thing I know is that the, the day is coming closer than it's ever been. Uh, we don't know the day or the hour, and anybody that says differently is a liar and a false prophet, and we're not to listen to them. But as we see these things go on around our world, we certainly see some things that indicate, yes, it probably is coming closer and a reminder to us we need to be ready. And so it's even so affected that God's people uh, aren't able to participate in commerce. You know, it's a bad thing. If you can't, you know, buy gas for your cars or buy groceries for your family, you're in trouble. And so this man's number, 666, remember that God's number, the perfect number, is seven. And Satan thought he was God, but he wasn't. And so his number was, is one less uh, than God. Yes, he has some power, but it's power that God gave him. And that in the end, God's going to take away from him. But Satan, again, knows that he's defeated, but he's fooled a lot of folks. And a lot of folks, you know, through history have followed a lot of evil men, believing that their cause was right and just, and yet in the end they found that it was not. 
And so there will be a lot of people in the last days that follow after Satan, that will follow the things of this world. It's a scary thing to think because our world is in such a mess. To think and understand that in the end times, when this battle that we're seeing unfold in the book of Revelation comes to pass, the bad stuff going on in our world will be kids' play. It, it will look like nothing very serious at all. And so I don't think we're in the tribulation. We're not in the last days yet. And, that, you know, so and we remind ourselves that God always brings victory. So Satan's trying to destroy God's plan. But the reality and the message of these three chapters, uh, 12, 13, and 14, and the book of Revelation as a whole, is that God always brings victory. And so in the midst of all, after all of these judgments, and remember the seals were opened, uh, and the trumpet sounded in the previous chapters, and there was calamity and kinds of crazy stuff. And so John here in the midst, gives us this reminder in these three chapters that God will be victorious. He doesn't want us to be defeated. And so take a look uh, in Revelation uh, 12, uh, verses 11 and 12. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Satan knows that he's defeated and he knows that his days are numbered and he doesn't have very many days left. And so he is bound to determine that he is going to cause as much damage as he possibly can. And yet the thing that Satan thought was going to bring him victory actually is what sealed his fate of defeat. Because you see, he thought that although he didn't kill him as an infant, he did kill him as an adult. But the thing is, is that Jesus Christ did die. And we celebrated that a few weeks ago. But he did die and was fully 100% dead. But guess what? He didn't stay dead. And three days later, that first Easter Sunday morning, they found that Jesus was not in that borrowed tomb, but he was alive. And he's alive yet today as a reminder to us that God always brings the victory. It was ultimately Jesus shedding his innocent blood for my sin debt and then conquering the, the chains of death by raising again. And then saying to those that would put their faith and trust in him, just as I live, you may live also. So that Jesus is not content for us to be zombie dead men walking in this world, but that God would intend for us to be new, alive creations. And that ultimately, the things of our body that are affected by the curse of sin will one day fall off. 
and we'll stand perfect the way God intended for us to be, and infirmities won't be a part uh, of our life, and pain and tears will no longer be a part of our life. And so John reminds us in these three chapters again, and here in uh, these two verses, 11 and 12, God has the victory. God likes to let Satan think he's won. He loves a great comeback story, just like all of us do. You know, we love when we watch a story and we, we want to we root for the underdog, don't we? Because we love a, a comeback victory. And God likes to show off sometimes. And so he lets Satan think, yeah, you won, I won, I won. But in reality, Satan knows he's going to lose. His end is already written and assured. And so here's what John wants us to remember and what John wanted the church of the first century to remember as he wrote these words. Is that yes, things may seem dark and bleak and difficult. And maybe even get to the point where you don't know how you're going to feed your family and you don't know how you're going to provide for your family. And yet, God will provide for you. Though Satan will try to attack, just as he tried to attack Israel, and uh, the, the image of this mother being uh, you know, given wings to fly into the wilderness to be delivered, and Satan following after her, trying to defeat her. But guess what? God made sure there was victory. And so the book of Revelation is written as an encouragement to those who are in Christ, those that have found forgiveness and new life, that victory is assured. It's not just something we sing about. It's something that we're to know here and now and ultimately we'll know in eternity. And so... On days when you're discouraged, may the message of Revelation 12 and 13 and 14 that we'll get to next week remind you God wins. Not just that God wins once in a while. God wins always. Because God is in charge. Satan thinks he's in charge. And people of this world for centuries and centuries have been trying to do them in and program them out of civilization. But guess what? They're all in the ground dead. And he's still alive, ruling and reigning on a throne in heaven. And he ultimately is going to have the final victory in showdown at the end of time when this old world passes away and all things are made new. But that's going to come in a few chapters, so we'll not get ahead of ourselves. But we're reminded here. John gives us this glimmer of reminder of hope that God brings victory. And so don't let Satan try to defeat you. Don't give in to his lies of discouragement and, and depression and you know, um, just giving in to the ways of this world. But instead, you trust on the almighty hand of a faithful God that's never lost a battle. 
Though sometimes it seems like he has, he ultimately really hasn't. His victory is assured, and if you're a child of his, so is yours. And so God reminds us of that. So he says, hey, listen, even those that uh, it was the blood of the Lamb that brought their victory, so much so that they loved not their lives. In other words, they loved Jesus so much more. And they were not afraid to give their life for the Lord. And the reason they weren't afraid was because they knew where they were going to end up. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the people knew that important truth. And John's writing to remind them of that important truth, that God gives the victory. So God reminds us that he has a plan, that Satan is working and he's always been working to try to destroy that plan. But ultimately, God wins. And God has the victory. So I hope God will encourage us with that because that's how God intends for it to be, that we would remember that God is faithful and that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. So we shouldn't get discouraged. And we certainly shouldn't give in and let Satan win. Because he's lost already. He's a defeated enemy. And so I hope God will help us and encourage us with that. Let's stand together this morning. We'll be dismissed for Sunday school. And uh... I mentioned, I meant to mention at the beginning of service, I mentioned uh, Dawson.